Welcome to the AEM Education and Training Podcast from the Society of Academic Emergency Medicine and the AEM Education and Training Journal. I'm your host, Dr. Gita Pensa, and this is what we've got for you today. Emergency ultrasound is a critical component of emergency medicine resident education, but currently there is no consensus list of competencies for EUS training and graduating residents have varying levels of skill and comfort. So today we're talking about a new AEM education and training article called a consensus list of ultrasound competencies for graduating emergency medicine residents. First author, Dr. David Hayter, is here with us to discuss it. Dr. Hayter completed his undergrad, medical school, and emergency medicine residency at the University of Michigan. After finishing an ultrasound fellowship at the University of Arizona, he returned to Michigan Medicine and currently serves as the Assistant Director of Simulation and Director of Resident Ultrasound Education. His career interests include ultrasound curriculum design for residents and fellows, as well as non-procedural SIM. Don't forget to read the full text of this article, available open access for a limited time from the publisher. Dr. Hader, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad to have you here today. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. All right. So we're going to talk about ultrasound today, emergency ultrasound, critical component of emergency medicine resident training. So... It's actually surprising to me that there has been no consensus list of competencies for emergency ultrasound training and residency. So congratulations on your paper. Thank you. Yeah, I know. I was surprised too. When my mentor came to me with this project, I was like, wait, you're telling me this doesn't already exist? Like, how do we develop a curriculum without it? And um, I guess we got to be, you know, one of the people at the forefront of putting it together. So yeah. I was very happy to be a part of this. Yeah, amazing. So, all right. So where do we stand right now? with ultrasound training in emergency medicine programs? Like what guidelines do we currently have? Yeah, uh, great question. So we have the ASEP uh, ultrasound guidelines, which were developed in 2008, but that was kind of more of a like, how do you start an ultrasound program at your institution? So it kind of went through initiation development, training, credentialing, et cetera. And then in 2012, I think it was AEUS and CORD came out with a consensus list, but that was more of a general overview. It was like, you know, do echoes, do fasts, do right upper quadrant ultrasounds. Uh, there wasn't really like a nitty gritty, like these are the exact things you need to know. Uh, and then we had milestones that had the uh, ultrasound category that got taken away with milestones 2.0 and kind of lumped in with all the other procedures. Mm -hmm. So right now, really, there's no good, well, I mean, up until this, until hopefully, <laughs> uh, <laughs> one would hope, but yeah. Right now, there's not really a good consensus from any of the big organizations of like, this is the minutia, the nitty gritty, like this is what you need to teach all your residents before they graduate. It's mostly kind of like a hands-off, um, mile-high view of like, these are the general things residents should know, and we leave it up to the programs to kind of decide what the specifics are. Okay. And in terms of assessing competence in emergency ultrasound among learners, like what, what do the ACGME milestones have to say about it or the milestones 2.0? Where are we with that? So this is actually kind of a hot topic I learned when I was putting this paper together. Apparently, like we can't even come to a consensus on a definition for competence, let alone decide how to assess for competence. <laughs> uh, kind of going through the literature, there's like a bunch of different ways. Like you can use OSCEs, you could do observational assessments, there's written exams. Uh, I think we all kind of come to the agreement that unsupervised scanning and interpretation is not the way to go. <laughs> but outside of that, there's really no good guidelines of like, this is how you define uh, a competency assessment. Uh, but kind of looking towards the future, there's a lot of work right now uh, for different ways to 
develop a program that assesses competency. But right now, there's not really a good consensus. Um, kind of going back to the milestones, mm-hmm. uh, combining all the procedural milestones together, they basically gave programs autonomy to define what's basic and what's advanced and what determines competency, which again, great, because programs can kind of tailor that to their to their residents. But the downside now is that there's so much variability in training and practice environments. So no one really has a good, again, no standard for what uh, residents should know and should be able to do. All right. So that brings us to the objective of your study. Like what was your objective <laughs> in this study? Yeah. So I guess like the the explicit objective is to define a widely accepted uh, comprehensive list of emergency ultrasound competencies for all graduating emergency medicine residents using the modified Delphi. The kind of ambitious goal that we're hoping to do is kind of standardize expectations for ultrasound education in uh, EM residency programs nationwide. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> so you you assembled, uh, you know, who's who of emergency ultrasound. So tell us about your study setting and, and the participants. Yeah, this was really fun for me, uh, just because I really like to meet people who are amazing at their jobs. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of people on this list who I look up to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we just kind of emailed out a lot of people with the lofty goals and asked them if they'd be interested in being part of this Delphi. And I uh, luckily received a lot of positive uh, feedback and a lot of people who were very interested in participating in terms of making sure we had a diverse panel that kind of represented programs around the country. We were looking at a mix of uh, ultrasound experts from three and four year programs, community, county, academic environments, uh, geographically diverse uh, group. Mm-hmm. I think we did a pretty good job with that, except the only problem is, you know, we skewed pretty academic, but I think that's just kind of the inherent part of Delphi's. You do a lot of academic work, people who participate in research, do a lot of research and inherently like are part of residency leadership are going to skew academic. So yeah. hard to correct for that. Okay. So, all right. Tell us about your study design and the rounds you went through. Yeah. So the modified Delphi, I guess it's been a thing that people have been doing for a while. We have Will Peterson at my program, who is a Delphi expert who helped me put this together. Uh, Basically, we came up with an extensive lit search for functionally every application of ultrasound that you could think of. We went through like 3,000 papers to find all these applications, wrote them all out, uh, came up with a five-point Likert scale of basically asking people, how important is this for a graduating EM resident to be able to do at the time of graduation? Mm -hmm. Sent this out in a very long survey. I think we had 360 applications. Mm -hmm. uh, And so people really had patience and really were dedicated to getting this done. Um, They filled out the survey. They sent it to me. Uh, We kind of like went through all the numbers, came up with a mean, and then went through something called a agreement score. So this, I guess, getting into a little bit of the weeds, but basically... Uh, if more than 80% of the responses were a four or a five, meaning important or very important, mm-hmm. it was considered high agreement. Anything less than 60% was considered low agreement. And then we had a little gray area in between 70 and 80%. Uh, and then we had a discussion with the panelists of kind of going through all the medium agreement stuff mm-hmm. and kind of going through, you know, why did some people think was this was important? Why did some people think this was not uh, people talked about whatever they wanted to talk about. And then we sent out the survey a second time. Uh, same same prompts. After making some adjustments, we like changed some questions around. We fixed the wording on some things. And then we came up with our consensus list. All right. So tell us uh, about your results and how things proceeded with each round. 
Yeah. So we had uh, initially 359 applications. About 60% of them were high agreement. Uh, we added a net total of 10 questions after kind of rewording some things and taking away a couple questions and then sending the survey the second time. A total of 209 applications made the final list. Okay. So um, what I'm not going to do is make you list all the things. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope not. So if people really want to read the list, you can actually get, and I encourage you to read uh, the paper. Um, but I, I would like to just talk about... Um, some things on the list. So your final list has your final list has some ultrasound skills that aren't listed in the ASEP EUS guidelines and the CORD AEUS consensus document. Um, what were those? Yeah. So a couple of those things were some of the advanced echo topics. So being able to diagnose tamponade, looking at some you know very basic valve stuff, being able to diagnose small bowel obstructions, and then looking at an excellent testicular pathology. Mm -hmm. And I think we attributed those to the changes in day-to-day -day EM practices. Again, like those initial consensus documents came out more than 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, Rob Wong, uh, the senior author on this paper, kind of put it perfectly. He's like, things that are cutting edge 10 years ago are now routine. Right. So these things, I guess, back then were considered more cutting edge and not part of our day-to-day -day practice, whereas now it's kind of easier to be able to diagnose these things. Mm -hmm. um, there's some basic physics topics that didn't come up in the uh, ASAP and CORD and AEUS documents, and it's just basically being able to recognize artifacts. Yeah. Um, and then just a couple other things like bowel, testicle, ultrasound, airway, and neuro. Uh, they actually were mentioned in the previous guidelines, but didn't come up on this one. And that was more of a like, I guess the point of the paper is what is the bare minimum and not what is the like advanced stuff that we need to know. Uh, what else would you like to highlight about what made the list and what didn't and why? So the common theme that came up time and time again, and uh, Jeremy Boyd kind of coined the phrase, I want my residents to recognize when things ain't right. <laughs> um, so that was kind of the theme. Uh, if you go through the list, it's basically, we want residents to be able to recognize what normal looks like uh, so that they can recognize the absence of normal. We don't expect residents graduating without additional ultrasound training to be able to know every single pathology under the sun, but it's more of a, hey, this doesn't look right. I should order a confirmatory study. I should call a consultant. I should have someone else look at it. Mm -hmm. So I think that was kind of the driving force behind a lot of the things that made the list and things that didn't make the list mm -hmm. and was kind of the general vibe of the paper. Um, a couple of the other things that were interesting is there wasn't a lot of bowel stuff that made it onto the list. And I think part of that is because we didn't have a lot of pediatric emergency medicine trained people on the panel. And I think mm -hmm. bowel ultrasound is more important in the peds world than it is really in the adult world. Yeah. So what should readers take away from this paper? Are we ready for a prime time? Um, and if not, what's going to need to come next before it is? Right. So I think I kind of got to the punchline a little early. Uh, I think the, <laughs> what people need to take away from this paper is that we want residents, again, to be able to recognize the absence of normal and not recognize mm -hmm. abnormal per se. Uh, again, just to kind of help guide management for patient care. Um, things to kind of take away for next steps. I mean, I think we need multi-institutional collaboration now for feasibility testing and validation. This is a long list. It's a very comprehensive list. And mm -hmm. realistically, like how do you how do you implement this into a program at three-year programs, at four-year programs, at programs that may not have all the like resources that an ivory tower uh, academic center may have? Uh, and then kind of going through how do you, again, how do you measure competency? How do you say that someone's truly achieved competency in these um, topics? 
Well, I think that this is the start of something very significant. Um, so thank you for looking into something that seems to be a glaring omission. <laughs> um, and then congratulations on your paper. Thanks so much for coming to talk to us about it on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This was really exciting, and I'm excited to see where we go from here. Thanks for listening to this month's AEM Early Access. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes at AEM Early Access, all one word. Don't forget to read the full text of this article, available open access from the Academic Emergency Medicine Journal for a limited time. Today's music is by Scott Holmes. I'm Gita Pensa, and we'll see you next time.